0: hello and welcome to the mighty 90s movie and tv podcast i'm dom and i'm Simon. and tonight's movie for debate is 10 things i hate about you picked by emily our hall of fame patreon welcome to the mighty 90s movie and tv podcast where it's always ten thirty at night so it's time to grab the snacks from the sweet cupboard, move on upstairs and settle in as tonight's movie for debate is 10 Things I Hate About You. So Simon, welcome. Hello. Another Mighty 90s podcast. Yes. Love it. Yep. So this film was picked by Emily, who was our not only our Hall of Famer on our Patreon account, but she is also our first ever Patreon before the rewatch, ready for the podcast. What is your what are your experiences of Ten Things I Hate About You? Have you seen it before?
1: I had not seen it before in full. Ooh. I've seen parts, but I don't have like any particular memories towards it. A lot of what I remember from it is things that were parodied from uh, Not Another Teen Movie, like right. the singing on like the steps. Um, and in have you seen Not Another Teen Movie? No. It's it's like parodying... It's like a scary movie type, but parodying all teen dramas. It's doing, like, Varsity Blues, 10 Things I Hate About You.
0: It's one that I've seen bits of, I think. Yeah. I haven't seen the full thing.
1: Um, So, and that's before... That's right when, you know, Scary Movie came out, and then Not Another Teen Movie. This is before it went ridiculous with the parodies, you know? Like, I'd imagine not another team movie still would be relatively funny i i would imagine but anyway so a lot of it i was kind of getting a bit mixed up with or sort of it felt familiar because i'd seen it sort of spoofed um but i also i there's definitely some parts that i'd seen i always knew that joseph gordon levitt was in it and he was from Third Rock from the Sun, which uh, my wife really likes. And I always like the look of that show, but I actually have never seen it. Did you ever watch Third Rock from the Sun?
0: I did, yeah. I used to watch it quite a lot. Um, really, really funny. Really good. Because uh, they're, they're like aliens, aren't they? Yeah. Um, studying human behaviour and trying to be more human. It's, yeah, it's really good.
1: And the dad in it is a really great actor. I've forgotten his name, but he played an antagonist in Dexter season and he's been in loads of stuff and he's the granddad in Rise of the Planet of the Apes, you know, the more recent Planet of the Apes trilogy.
0: That's right, he is, yeah. He's the whole reason for the cause of the outbreak of yeah. uh, smart apes, isn't he? Yeah, yeah beca- really.
1: because uh, I've forgotten his name as well. Oh, yeah. Uh. David is his brother. Dave Franco, James Franco, <laughs> James Franco smuggled out the uh, antidote, as not he, uh, to give to him, right? To give to yeah, his dad.
0: I think the whole point of him trying to develop it is because his dad has dementia, doesn't he? Yeah, that's it. He yeah, wants yeah, yeah, To yeah, try yeah, yeah. and cure it. Yeah. Well, that's yeah. that's the whole premise of the film, isn't it? Yeah. And unfortunately, they're using apes as guinea pigs. Mm-hmm. Can you say it that way? Yeah.
1: Yeah. <laughs> Large guinea pigs. Uh, but yeah, he's a great actor. But that's a show, Third Rock from the Sun, that I always remember my sister and my dad really liking. And I think it was maybe slightly before my time. Like, it was more, you know, like married with children as well. Do you remember that? It's kind of those those shows were a little bit, we were a little bit too young for, I think, at you, the time.
0: Yeah, my, my brother really liked Third Rock from the right, Sun. Right, so the same, yeah. And, and it was one that I used to watch, but we were kind of, Preteen, early teen.
1: How, how much older is your brother than you? Four years. Right. And my sister's seven. So it's like, yeah, like there is like the generation above, aren't they? Yeah. Like your brother would be one. My sister might be two.
0: John yeah. Lithgow.
1: Yes. John <laughs> Lithgow. Great actor. Um. Anyway. So <laughs> off track there. I know, I knew, I, rec- I knew Joseph Gordon Levitt was in it. And then I knew Heath Ledger was in it. And I knew that sort of looking back because I really liked Heath Ledger in, what do you think I'm going to say?
0: The Dark Knight.
1: Oh, obviously, but <laughs> before that, before that.
0: Uh A Knight's Tale? A Knight's Tale. <laughs> I really,
1: really liked him in that. I, is that in the 90s? I think that's probably just out, isn't it? Would
0: you like me to check for you now? Uh,
1: that would be great if we could cover that at some point. Did, did you like that film?
0: Yeah, it's a good film. Really good film.
1: Because it has, um, it kind of did that contrast of being in oldie times, but using modern music, right? There's a lot of like Queen in it and, and things like that. It kind of had that contrast.
0: Yeah. It's got um, Paul Bettany's in it, isn't he, as well? He's in all the Marvel films now. He's like
1: the, uh, like not the announcer, he's like the hype, the hype man.
0: Isn't he meant to be Chaucer? His,
1: uh, he's meant
0: to be Geoffrey Chaucer.
1: He's like Don King. He's like yeah. <laughs> hyping it. Yeah, what year was it?
0: 2001.
1: Ah. Well, we might... If if a patron in the future that also loves that film wants to suggest it, that could potentially be a patron exclusive. Like
0: swaying the patrons now. Yeah. <laughs>
1: <laughs> but, uh But yeah, so besides that, I didn't really have much contact with it. Alex Mack is in it.
0: Yes, yes. The girl that plays Alex Mack. Yeah. <laughs>
1: Which would have been one of my like childhood crushes, uh, for sure, and again, one of my wife's favorite sort of TV shows growing up, so yeah, so I had not much context with it. Um, what about you? What What was your history with this film?
0: Um, I've actually seen the film quite a few times, I'm very familiar with it, uh, having done and studied a lot of Shakespeare, which you talk about a lot, don't I? Of course, you do, uh, and this is. I say modern day Shakespeare, so we'll call it modern day, but it's, you know, this film's 20 years old.
1: Yeah. What year, <laughs> what year was it? Was Is it 97? 99. Oh, 99.
2: Yeah, 21 yeah. years,
0: yeah. <laughs> so, <laughs> the film's, um, yeah, we'll, we'll still call it, it's modern day Shakespeare, mm. uh, which we'll, we, you know, go into. Uh, and me doing the the A-levels I did and the degree that I did, it's one that comes up a lot as, you know, have a look at this, see how they interpreted it, what could you do differently, blah, blah, blah. Mm-hmm. So I'm uh, very familiar with the film, very familiar with the cast. Yeah.
1: Well, on our, mo- not our most recent episode of the Mighty 90s, because that would be Jurassic Park 2, but the one before that with Clueless, there's a lot of... Uh, symmetry with the two movies but also very different like they're ones that you could easily compare and say they're in the same genre right
0: they they could blend yeah there's a definite um connection and it's about high school hierarchy isn't it and Mm. status which is you know kind of the the basis of um clueless in terms of someone someone is at the top of the tree Drops down the tree a little bit, kind of wants to find themselves and work out who they want to be, and then working their way back up to to being that person. Mm -hmm. And this is along a a similar vein. Um, It has a good story, but I think it's a story that is told quite a lot, and we can talk more about that as we go through the film.
1: It does. It shares a lot of themes with a lot of these high school nineties movies, um She's all that, I think that might be early two thousands, I'm not hundred percent sure. But they there's a lot of blending.
0: When you look at when you look up the film on um was it Google? and it gives you recommended films or what what people have also searched for. Yeah. Things like 13 going on 30, yeah. Clueless. Yeah. Um, not another teen movie. Right. All of that that comes up as like recommended or what people have also searched for. Yeah. So it fits into that category. Like really like, I mean really well. Uh, I mean it, it, understandably it, it sits right there. Um, and if I had to pick kind of out of those films it's definitely at the at the top of the triangle, I think, for me.
1: Well, I was literally just about to say that this would have been controversial to have said when we had Alyssa and Michelle here me, It Takes Free when we covered Clueless. But I preferred this to Clueless, like, easily. Like, I think some of it... And I enjoyed Clueless as well, but I think some of it is that this feels a bit more grounded, in a way, in that Clueless... Obviously... You know, it's it's a comedy. Um, but it felt more a a bit more timeless, whereas Clueless felt, even though it's nostalgic, is also incredibly dated in the nineties, you know. And that was some of its charm.
0: Yeah, I think this is this film is a lot more relatable. Um, because Clueless was about kind of the super rich, really, wasn't it? Rich, mm-hmm. really rich kids that uh, mm living their rich lives. Um, and it's fun. It's a fun film. Uh, we're not taking anything away from that. But this film is more of a mixture and how that mixture comes together in that high school environment. Mm-hmm. So I, I would agree. I would pick this film over Clueless. There was we some... have to give it a good rating now. <laughs> yeah. <laughs>
1: well, there something that, that stood out to me on this watch is so Dom and I obviously are British... And the schooling system works differently here. So in America, I, I, I don't know how familiar you are with it, Don, but and I think it's different in, in different parts of America. But they have like kindergarten, they have like elementary school, then they have like what's called like middle school or junior high. Um, American listeners, if I'm butchering this, please let let us know. But I'm <laughs> I'm fairly certain this is how it works. And junior high lasts up until you're 14. So that's when we're in like the end of year 9, right? And then high school is what we call year 10 and 11 and then the and then the two years of sixth form or college. That's their high school. So it's like they and then they go to what we would call university or college, right? So they're in high school until they're 18 rather than 16.
0: And are they all different schools?
1: Yeah, they can be. They I think some places they could be like one massive school, but they're usually different schools. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah. That's a lot in it. And then there's and then denser population, so there's more people in the high schools and whatever, right? So bigger classes. Uh,
0: so in in a contrast, so I went to two schools in my life. Yeah. Not including university. Yeah. I went to primary school and secondary school. Yeah. And that was it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I spent like six years at each of them. Mm-hmm. So.
1: And it's very different, right? Because in primary school, you've got one class that you do all of your lessons with. Like the class that we were in of like 30 kids, something like that. Yeah. And you do, you have one teacher that does all of your lessons. And then you go to high school, what we call secondary school, from 11 till 16. And then you're in like different classes and different teachers and whatever, whatever. But the big difference that I see, apart from the ages between American high school and British high school, is that American high school, they seem to just care more. Like, And it seems to me like there's more of an identity to it. Like in this film, they do archery. They're doing they've got band, right? They've got all different sports, even when they're doing like um, PE or well, physical education, whatever, they've got the school logo is on like the, you know, sweatshirts and hoodies. And it just all feels a lot grander. And it feels like people do school and then they do the after school clubs, like in our school, in my school, anyway, uh, high school, after school, you could do rugby or football. And that's it. Hmm. You know, there was nothing else. There was no other clubs or events and it was sort of dark and gloomy and, and whatever and uh, like there was no sense of like camaraderie if like the school football team or rugby team let's say were playing a game no one's going to watch like you know where and there was no basketball at my high school there was no there wasn't even a basketball team like there was nothing it's insane
0: I think there was one at mine but it like I think it was very short-lived it didn't last beyond a certain year so but it's
1: like but do, do you know what I mean that like to it seems like anyway how it's being depicted in the movies that high school you know cheerleading team there just seems to be this larger array of things to be involved in and it just seems a lot more um, I don't know just cooler and and sort of interactive and inclusive I mean I don't know What what do you think?
0: There's a lot of pride, isn't there, in your school? Yeah. And you go to that school and you kind of represent that school. Uh, well, that's how it feels um, from these films. Might be completely wrong because we're basing a lot of that on things that we watch. Mm-hmm. Um, but it does feel like that theme runs and represents throughout everything. And, th- and they base that on real life. So um, I think there is a lot of pride you know for people to go to certain schools and wear the school colors and things like that whereas over here, yeah, no one really cares do they? Well, they certainly didn't used to. I, you know I've not been to school for a long time, so
1: yeah, but I don't
0: I... I don't hear anyone going, oh did you see you, you know our local high school, our local secondary school won this championship the other day you know no one no one talks about it whereas in other things we watch so like one Tree Hill, for example, Everyone in that town is going to watch it, aren't they? It's it's not a thing over here.
1: I'm ready to go to high school. (laughs) Like, right now. I think it would be the best. I really do. Like, I think it would be an American high school experience. I'm ready. I would do it. I think it would be fun. Okay, I'm in. Dom's in. We just need a high school. Have you seen Never Been Kissed? Where Drew Barrymore goes back to high school, but she's like a 30-year-old woman?
0: No... I think I think Patrons. Again, I think I've seen bits.
1: <laughs> well, she essentially is like a 30-year-old woman and she goes back uh, to write an article. But she like loves it and I becomes seen it. Yeah, yeah, I've seen it, yeah. And she becomes like prom queen or something like that. That could be our storm. We could do that.
0: You want to be prom queen?
1: I do. <laughs> I really do. I okay, get
0: you voted. See, they vote prom queens. Yeah. Yeah, I'll vote for you. Thank you.
1: (laughs) It's it's funny, because I think when I was going to uh, high school, everything that I was taking in was American, say by the Bell, this, that, and the other sitcoms. And I I think I always thought that it was going to be like that. And I'm always feeling really let down that this wasn't sort of the case. And um, I do think there is issues in the education structure where people... Like, education means more. You're going to get more out of education if you go back when you're older. Like, I know, as much as I was joking before, I think that if people were to have a break where they're younger, where they go and, I think, go and volunteer in poverty-stricken countries and places that are safe, you know. <laughs> let's not get people <laughs> you know, Not like, you know, yeah. Not, you know, war... Places where war's happening. Um, but, you know, get that experience and work ethic etc and then come back to education when they're a little bit older and you know are going to be more interested in, in it you know people will be better behaved you'll absorb it better like imagine you could go to school right now
0: I think I'd love to
1: but to high school right?
0: sure absolutely Okay, <laughs> I, I'm one of these rarities that actually enjoyed school mm-hmm. I liked going to school I liked learning I liked the people I went to school with you always encounter idiots, that's nature and that's life. Uh, and you always encounter people that you don't get on with or that upset you or that intend mm. to cause you harm for whatever reason, mm. um, which we talk about on our other podcast, uh, The Ravens, a One Tree Hill podcast. Um, but I, overall, my experiences at school were all really positive. I, I liked mm. being there. And if I had the opportunity to go Back and maybe do something different or go to a a different version of that, then great, I'll try it. I'll give that a go. We should do this. Okay. When pandemics calm down a bit.
1: When COVID's not a thing. uh, We're going back to high school. Maybe
0: we could get in touch with Emily and see if she can... uh,
1: In Oklahoma. Yeah. Get us involved in... We're ready. A school in Oklahoma. (laughs) Okay, see. Totally. I I think that... Yeah. I mean, just for the record, I, I enjoyed... I enjoyed all of my education except for the high school part. But I enjoyed the other part so much, like more than the average. It probably evens out over time. But the, uh, yeah. Well, and something I, wanna, I will get onto when we're getting into the film. So this, the film's set in Seattle. Yeah. So I worked in a summer camp in Seattle three years in a row for like, you know, four months at a time. And I always, I say to my parents that... My university degree, you know, it hasn't been relevant in my career at all. But the time that I got in America, in Seattle, for those four months, you know, know, like a year's worth, over three years, you know, uh, accumulatively, was like the best education that I got. Like, it really helped shaping me, so on and so forth. Um, And it's just really ironic that that is where the film is set
0: cool yeah really cool cool, cool. should we get into the deep dive let's do it yeah that was a good chat about about school there and our, our takes on uh the differences between sort of us and uk high schools nice yeah so 10 things i hate about you released in march the 31st 1999 that's the us release of course it's out a little bit later in the uk and i have a synopsis let's get it it's from another emily Okay. So the synopsis that I got is from an Emily Bracade And it says And it reads Popular, pretty Bianca Stratford is in a dilemma A family rule forbids her from dating Until her unpopular, rebellious Boy-hating older sister Kat Gets a suitor of her own In an attempt to win Bianca A potential boyfriend desperately attempts To set Kat up with pa- Patrick Verona Another rebel who may just be able To win Kat's heart Which is a nice little so not just oh, that is that good, just yeah. Just quite brief. Yeah. There was one on there that was one line. Okay. And it literally, I haven't, I really wish I'd copied it down or written it down, but it literally said something along the lines of, uh, pretty girl wants to date, needs a sister to date first. <laughs> 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 Which I thought, if I brought that one on, it's a bit of a cop-out. <laughs> well, t- tell us the
1: Shakespeare stuff. So.
0: So this film is based on William Shakespeare's Taming of the Shrew. Which has um, characters of the same name, so Bianca and Catherine or Katharina okay and they basically um, the older sister Kat is angry at the world and hates everyone and hates men and just wants to live her life and her younger sister, Bianca wants to date and have a suitor
2: mm-hmm.
0: and Basically, she's not allowed to because her father forbids it until her older sister has a suitor. It's kind of, you can't have it until your older sister has it. And uh, there's references, there's one reference to the shrew um, in the film, which is the obvious nod to the play. Mm -hmm. Um, And exactly what you see in the film is pretty much exactly what happens within the play. There's a little plot by um, a suitor who pays someone to like take her out, take her out, and yeah. they eventually fall in love and become a couple, and it allows them to be a couple with Bianca.
1: It's it's really well done, I think. Like as in in the movie, like as in it, if you didn't know that that it was you know it has these the undertone and the theme and whatever of a Shakespeare play you wouldn't know
0: there's so many Shakespeare lines and quotes throughout the whole thing mostly taken from sonnets so we have a bit of Macbeth in there a bit of Hamlet and there is the one line that um, Joseph Gordon-Levitt says when he first sees Bianca I can't remember it I've got it written down somewhere which we'll go through in a minute um, that is from Taming of the True mm. uh, and is it, and one of the lines taken straight from there but a lot of the other lines in it across the whole film are from sonnets um that shakespeare wrote
1: it's really good and i think something that goes for this movie's credit is that it does stand out as being it's just a it just feels a bit better than these other teen movies with about high school that it just feels a little bit more I don't know. It's a little bit more well done. Like the writing, perhaps the the cast is really good. All of the acting's really good. Yeah.
0: I think it has that realistic feel to it as well because everything is done on location. Yeah. There's no sets. Everything. So the house is a real house. Okay. The school grounds. Uh, it's all real school. The um like stadium is a school stadium. So it's all real.
1: Well, you know that, you know, when they go under the bridge and there's that like hand thing. Yeah. I seen it.
0: You I seen it, how you I it? it <laughs> with my eyes. <laughs> nice.
1: But it's all of the stuff that they show in the movie is it's it really feels like Seattle as well. Obviously, I, I know there is, but with all of the bodies of water and like, the you know, the city next to it. And uh yeah, even on the TV, they uh they throw the fish. Did you notice that? There's a bit on the TV. It's like the real world of uh, Seattle. Yeah, I that. They throw the fish, and that's because it's a uh, Pike's Place Fish Market, where it's like famous. Mm. They throw you buy a fish, they throw it to you. you okay. know, they, they throw it to each other and catch it in the newspaper. Um, but all of that stuff is like nice little sort of Seattle, um, you know, tidbits. Nice. So it's
0: really cool. Should we go into the bits? Please. Let's go into the bits. So it's directed by Gill. Well, this is spelt Junger, but we'll go Junger. Uh, and this was his first film as a director. Oh, wow. first feature film. I then looked at the rest of the films that he's done. I, I've never really heard of any of them or seen them, so I just kind of flicked through. Uh, I didn't really go into his history that much, but this is his first main feature film. The screenplay is written by Karen McCullough and Kirsten Smith, who also wrote Legally Blonde. Okay. So, you, you know, quite a similar... Type film, type. but yeah. they, they took Taming of the Shrew and adapted it for modern day life, which I think they did pretty well. Yeah. Uh, let's go into our favourite little quiz yep. of guess the rating. Yeah. Okay. So we're going to go with the IMDb rating first.
1: Okay. I think so. Normally we say like in you know the six point fours are the average, you know. 6.8 is really good pretty good I think was Clueless was like around there wasn't it 6.8 something like that yeah but I'm gonna think I'm think that this is gonna push a bit further mm-hmm. this might be crazy this might be reckless I'm worried that this is reckless but I'm gonna say like 7 point evil 1 or 2 2
0: 7.2 yeah it's
1: 7.2 Is too high
0: you really think 7.2
1: I make myself look foolish. Is it too high? Is it's it- seven
0: point three. You're so close. <laughs> <laughs> Love it. Well done. Good shout. Yeah, seven point three
2: should've,
0: on IMDb. So this film higher. is loved. Yeah. What do you think about Rotten Tomatoes? Never know. They are a cruel mistress. <laughs> They're a cruel
1: bitch. Ah, <laughs> uh, I'm gonna. Well, I'm gonna say then maybe like. 75%.
0: It's a little bit lower than that. Oh, no. It's 69%. Oh, okay. So not far off, though. Not not horrendous, yeah. So it's still a liked film, but kind of slightly off the scale from IMDb.
1: Yeah. But that's fine. I got hyped.
0: Okay, let's see if you can... I'll, I'll give you that, though. That's two for two. You're in the right ballpark. You, okay. You, uh, If you're within 10 on Rotten Tomatoes, that's normally a good place Uh, to be okay so that that was good thank you let's talk about the budget how much did it make how how much did it cost to make the film um
1: well i don't think i don't well there's a few things to put in here then i guess right the cost is great um but i would imagine not that expensive because they're young and you know it's you know your heath ledger obviously went on to be huge Rest in peace to Heath Ledger, of course. Um, Of course. But at this point, he was still sort of, you know, at the beginning of his career. So
0: this is Heath Ledger's first American movie.
1: Right. Okay, there we go then. So he's not going to be, you know, really expensive at this point.
0: This propelled his career. And the same for Julia Stiles.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I've never seen Save the Last Dance by the
0: way, oh, which... I've got an interesting little fact about that. Go ahead. I was going to save it for the trivia bit. Oh, okay. Save it. I save, can do it, it now if you want.
1: No, go on. Let's do it. We brought it up.
0: So the reason she got the part for Save the Last Dance... No
1: way. Not because of her dancing on the table.
0: Absolutely. From dancing on the table.
1: Wow. Yeah. She oh. got
0: seen doing the, the dance on the table and uh, they liked it so they, they gave her the
1: role. Oh, nice. Is that in the... night? No, it can't be. If this was 99, it must be out of the 90s. Yeah. Okay. Uh
0: early thousands.
1: I'm gonna say the thing that might have pushed the budget up a little bit was that they didn't film it in Hollywood. So if they filmed it on location and in Seattle, it might have meant that, you know, it wouldn't have been as cheap as if they did a lot of it on sound stages, etc. So I'm gonna say maybe
0: twenty two million. So clueless cost twenty million. Yeah. To make. Yeah. This was 16 million.
1: Ooh. Cheap. So not far off. We
0: uh, yeah, four million away. Yeah. That's not bad.
1: Yeah. I said 22. Six.
0: Oh, sorry. I thought, oh, it was me that said 22. Much worse. <laughs> okay.
1: But yeah. Okay, that makes sense.
0: So, how much did it take at the box office?
1: That's difficult. I don't know. Would it have taken that much? I, I'd imagine this is one that maybe found its like home on my like home video, you know, got like a bit more of a following that way. I don't think this is one that people like rushing to see like opening weekend. So I'm gonna say maybe like a hundred and ninety million. Wow.
0: You've gone really high. Oh god. Like outrageously high. Oh god. Yeah, that's almost as bad as my geography fuck up. <laughs> god. This only took fifty three point five million. Ooh in the box office so in its first week it took eight million and then from then on it just sort of grew
1: that's low like as in
0: compared like, to what we thought it would be or well, what more, you thought it would be
1: yeah you, but. yeah well more just in like the what what we've covered so i always have it in my head that fight club was considered a flop and it made a hundred million so but then at the same time it's considered a flop because it's got brad pitt and edward norton in right so you I think that's guaranteeing you a certain amount of success. Yeah. But, I mean, hey, if it made it made over 30 million more than its budget, that's a success. A huge success. Absolutely.
0: It goes in the success pile.
1: Yeah. And I bet it made loads more on home video and stuff afterwards. So. Yeah, more than likely. Yeah. Cool.
0: It's probably all the schools in this country have bought it, so it made make you watch it if you're studying that play.
1: <laughs> right. Yeah. Because... <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'd love it if that was like assigned when we go back to high school, if they assign that to us it'd be like, Great, I'll just watch this. Just
0: watch this, yeah. Just watch any Shakespeare. If you're studying any Shakespeare, just watch any Shakespeare that Kenneth Branagh has been in. Right. But Kenneth Branagh is brilliant.
1: I don't know who that is.
0: You will know who that is. You're you'll see you him and you're recognizing. Okay. He directed the Thor films as well. Okay. Or at least at least two of them, I think. Anyway, it doesn't matter. Right. So, not bad guessing, as, well, except for the how much you thought they took. So yeah. yeah. That's a little bit off off the charts. Yeah. But don't worry, that's fine. Okay. We all make mistakes. Yes. We do. <laughs> so, let's get into some of the trivia. There's some good trivia about this film, uh, and some good like links. There's some really weird, quirky links okay. to things. I'm sure you can probably guess what theme I'm going to go down. Uh, one of them I noticed straight away was... Heath Ledger's in the film there's a mention of Jared Leto she's one joker away from loving Joaquin Phoenix
1: yeah yeah that's crazy I didn't connect those dots but yeah I yeah
0: no okay (laughs) I talked about quite a lot actually in the trivia Um, about that but yeah I was thinking it the whole time and then read the trivia and then was like yes like other people see it as well (laughs) yeah of course nice so um, David I think it's Krumholtz who played Michael in the film you know his uh, Joseph Gordon-Levitt's like best mate
1: oh man he he is like an MVP ca- character I said to my wife afterwards I was like that is who I would be that is the guy I would want to be like yeah, the same. The,
0: <laughs> the best he was great
1: when the guy draws the penis on his face <laughs> and he's not really paying attention and he's like I have a penis on my face <laughs>
0: he says dick dick." Uh, uh, yeah because I thought it was really I, I just thought they didn't really say that over there I thought he would have said penis or cock. Okay. He said, I have a dick on my face. I thought it was quite funny. Brilliant. So anyway, David Cromaltz, who played Michael in the film, uh, wrote a piece for um, a a magazine or or for some publication explaining why he thought the movie worked so well. Mm -hmm. And he stated that the entire cast became friends. Oh, that's nice. So Joseph Gordon-Levitt, this is his word. So Joseph Gordon-Levitt turned me into fish. Sorry, turned me on to Fish. I think it was a band. Uh, and I turned him on to Wu-Tang Clan. <laughs> Definitely a band or a group, um, the actor wrote. Uh, Gabrielle at Union had us in stitches. Julia Stiles bought her own brand of Soho-bred artistic intellectualism and she was only 17. Um, Larissa, is it Olyanek? Olyanek's Olienic? uh, laughter filled the room and we marvelled at the toneness of Andrew Keegan's muscles. Um, and he put that he was a great sport about it as well They he said filming Mm. began without Heath Ledger Mm. and the cast was worried about how his presence would change the dynamic so this was a concern that was remedied a few days later when he arrived and he found yet another comrade in sensibility so the group with Heath only got stronger before I knew it, the cast was experiencing what I've since found to be all too rare, a unified chemistry throughout the ensemble without a single bad apple in the bunch. We all agreed that we were having the best summer of our lives.
1: See, that is the best. I, I love it when the cast love the movie, especially at the time, but especially when they like look back on it and they love it. It makes you love it even more. And this is something... That crosses over to One Tree Hill that we've talked about before. Is that the cast love it and then it makes you love it because they've enjoyed it. And there's nothing worse when you hear a cast member or someone that was involved in creating something that you love than saying how it means nothing to them. Yeah. They hate it. They don't want to be associated with it. It makes you think, but why? I love this thing. Um, so that's really cool to hear.
0: It puts you off it, doesn't it? Um, yeah, I love it when people like... Um, what they're in and they're involved in if you had to pick someone else to play heath ledger's part who would you pick
1: i don't know because he's so vital to this film
0: exactly you need heath ledger in this if i was to tell you that josh hartnett and ashton kutcher both went up for the role what would you think
1: i i believe it because that on paper you could see them in that kind of role like the being the looks, that yeah the
0: the sensibility the
1: confidence yeah. the um I like instantly Josh Hartnett The Faculty we must 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 cover that at some point have you seen The Faculty
0: yes I have
1: love that film <laughs> I
0: always have to think but yeah I've definitely seen it
1: because yeah. he plays a kind of aloof character in that I mean very different and then Ashton Kutcher yeah could have sort of imagine that as well But neither of them, like, I can't imagine either of them in Heath Ledger's role because that role is him. Like, he completely owned it, so. Is
0: it Josh Hartnett that's in Lucky Number 11? Yeah. That's a good role.
1: He kind of, like, went off the face of the earth. Like, he was in loads of stuff. Yeah. And then 40 days and 40 nights. Yeah, good. And in, like, quite a few things. And then, I don't know, what happened
0: to him? That's very strange.
1: It was in Pearl Harbour. No, let's not
0: talk about Power Harbour. <laughs> dreadful film. But I I think if he were to place Josh Hartnett in the um, Patrick role of this film, it would have been a very different vibe. He's yeah. quite... Um, he feels like quite a broody actor. And he, he would do that well, but not necessarily the charm offensive that Heath Ledger's got. Mm-hmm. And he's very good at playing kind of nonchalant and saying what he wants to say without saying it and I think we'd struggle with that from Josh Hartnett and Ashton Kutcher I can only ever see him as a bit of a clown yeah so it'd be difficult for me to see him in that role again I can understand he's got the looks and he's got that uh, that good comic sense about him but I don't see him being able to do the tender stuff more but Mm. you know when you look at films like The Butterfly Effect
1: that's a great film. Which is a
0: great film, and he's in that. He's just completely different in that, isn't he? So
1: yeah, he's great in that. We should cover that. That must be that must be in the two thousands. Yeah, patron special. If someone <laughs> suggests we should it, do like a Simon special.
0: <laughs>
1: are, we, are we assuming that they made the character Australian just out of ease for Heath Ledger? Uh,
0: yes, I think so. And I I, I read a quote that. Um, The director was worried about how Australian um, he was because it would make him too sexy. (laughs) That's that's funny. There you go. Not too bad, is it?
1: Do you know something about, just to speak on Heath Ledger's brilliance, The Dark Knight, which I think unanimously is just known as an amazing, amazing movie movie, and a lot of it is to do with his performance, isn't it? Like, it's captivating. So, yeah. um, I... There's never... I don't... You just cannot see Heath Ledger in that, Joker. Like, I have to remind myself when watching it that that is Heath Ledger. Like, it is... He's immersed so much into the character that is unrecognisable as him. Yeah. It's amazing. It's incredible.
0: So his influences for 10 Things I Hate About You, one of them was Jack Nicholson for the smile. Right, and yeah. And the way he grins. Um, which and, is ironic. And he kept put, putting that in, which is very ironic because Jack Nicholson played the Joker. Yeah. And uh, all I could think of every time he smiled like that was, this is kind of the Joker without the scars. Right, isn't? yeah. So um, one thing that um, became massive on the, the back of um, Dark Knight Rises coming out which is the film with Joseph Gordon-Levitt yeah is that everyone then went crazy and said the Joker and Robin went to school together (laughs) right because of this film
1: yeah that's funny there's another
0: little uh, nugget and nod towards the Dark Knight trilogy yeah well done Christopher Nolan yeah
1: (laughs) that's crazy I didn't think of that yeah nice
0: um Right, so according to Larissa Ol- Olenik, um, who played... Bianca. Bianca. <laughs> uh, it was Julia Stiles who suggested Frankie Valley's can't take my eyes off of you for Heath Ledger to sing uh, to her on the football pit field.
1: Not a bad singing voice either. That, that's one of the best moments. Are you about to say it wasn't him singing?
0: He won an award for it.
1: What for singing? Yeah,
0: what award. I can't remember. I, I read it out when I was reading the awards. They won a lot of Teen Choice Awards, and like MTV MTV stuff. Movie Awards and Young Actor Awards, and he won best like vocal performance in a film because it was and actually
1: what? it was actually pretty good. That was my. That was my laugh out loud moment. Was when he's running away from the security and he's sort of doing the. And He slaps him. Yeah, him. it wasn't. Yeah, it wasn't that bit. It was when he's like he's doing like the hands and he's sort of. I was like, that's brilliant. <laughs> it's
0: a silly moment. It was very good though. Um, so, the table dance scene is what led Julia Stiles landing the lead role of Save the Last Dance, two thousand and one. Yeah. yeah. So we can't quite cover that one. Patreons. <laughs> um, Cameron James, played by Joseph Gordon-Levitt, learns French in order to tutor Bianca. Yeah. In real life, Joseph Gordon-Levitt is fluent in French uh, and didn't have to learn anything.
1: That's funny. <laughs> it's
0: just all these weird little facts that we've got. So Letters to Cleo, which is the band that plays on the rooftop at the end. Yeah. And they play a couple of times throughout the film. Mm-hmm. And the songs are played. Lead singer Kay Hanley told um, Pop Dose, on another publication, that the experience really scared the band. So they had to perform the song on a patch of roof that was the size of like a kitchen. Or she says Hanley, her own kitchen at home on a really windy day.
1: It looks scary. <laughs> I would be scared.
0: And this is this is a direct quote from her. Uh, it was quite a long quote, but she says, so they told us this is a helicopter shot and it costs $500,000 each time the helicopter has to take off. So don't fuck this up. Wow. (laughs) As we started to play, we saw the helicopter appear off in the distance. Uh, It's hard to say how far (laughs) away it was at first, because we were so high up in the air. Then all of a sudden, this helicopter does this dive bomb directly towards us. Is the helicopter out of control? Is it supposed to be coming at us like this? And I'm thinking, don't fuck up. Keep singing the song. Don't fuck it up. It cost 500 grand each time the copter takes off. It was unbelievably scary, but it turned out to be such an amazing shot.
1: It was a good shot. <laughs> it really was. It was very sort of out of left field as well.
0: Did you watch all the way through the end credits? No. You missed some outtakes. Oh. there's some outtakes at the end. You love outtakes as oh, well, I don't love you? love an outtake. Oh, so no. I, I always sort of tap, you know, either tap on the iPad or when I'm watching Netflix I, I check on the control to see how much time is left at the end of the film mm. and if it's more than a certain amount of minutes I'll keep watching because I know that something's going to come up so I kept watching thinking that there's about three or four minutes of these credits rather than the usual like one or two and it's because they played outtakes at the back of the credits mm. but as the credits were rolling so I just watched them all I
1: oh, know I feel robbed I'll watch them tonight to go, when I to go, go home. back
0: and watch them there's some good ones in there okay. very funny and, and you can see the closeness of the cast within that, of all of them. Yeah. Because they do lot, like, lots of silly things. There's only about six or seven outtakes on there. Maybe maybe less, but it's it's worth a watch. Okay. Give that a go. Uh, the the quote that uh, Cameron says is, I burn, I pine, I perish. And that's a direct quote from Taming the Shrew when he sees Bianca. Mm-hmm. So several names reflect the Shakespearean uh, origin of Taming the Shrew. So Bianca and Cat's last name is Stratford. So Stratford-upon-Avon synonymous with William Shakespeare That's where, yep. he, where he was born Yeah. Patrick's last name is Verona Which is a birth, birthplace of Petruchio The corresponding character from the play And the high school is called Padua Which is the name of the city that the play is set in mm, Nice And the two sisters' names, obviously Caterina and Bianca Are the same as in the play Nice so Kat Stratford is excited to, uh, that she gets into Sarah Lawrence College. college. Um, and in real life, Larissa Olenek, who played Bianca, went to Sarah Lawrence College. Oh, wow. So that's, the, that's you know... I was ...foreseeing what was coming. Yeah. I actually looked up the college. I wanted to find out why she was so excited. And it's quite a prestigious college that looks at um, more humanities sort of side of schooling. So... The arts, um, so writing, literature, theatre, that kind of thing, art in general. Um, and it's in New York. That's why it was so far away. Right, yeah, East uh, Coast. Yeah. Um, one bit of geography and I got right. <laughs> um, Julia Stiles originally auditioned for the role of Bianca. Uh, and according to screenwriter Kirsten Smith, Larissa Alenik really wanted to play Cat. Mm -hmm. So they wanted to be in different roles. And Elenic got the role of Bianca, while Styles got the role of Kat, Bianca's older sister. Despite Kat being two years older than Bianca, Styles is only three months older than Elenic in real life.
1: Ah, that's funny, because they do kind of look older and younger in how it is in the movie, so that's funny that they're not, really.
0: When I was watching it, I I just assumed that there was that age gap the whole way through, until one scene... Where she goes into her room, um, she goes where Cat goes into Bianca's room to explain kind of why she is the way she is. Yeah, yeah. Um, and it was at that moment where I thought they're the same age; they just look exactly the same. <laughs> right. And I, I didn't know this bit of trivia thing because I, I I do the deep dive after I watch the film, and I thought, oh yeah, really, I can really see that now. Actually, that they are the same age. Yeah. <laughs> I've got a couple more and then we can move on into the rest of our, our, you know, thoughts on all the characters. Patrick sings Can't Take My Eyes Off Of You by Frankie Valli to Cat. This makes Heath Ledger. So this is, you have to bear with me on this one. This makes Heath Ledger the third actor to sing the song prior to playing a Batman villain. Okay. So the first was Christopher Walken in The Deer Hunter um, before then going on to play Max Shrek in Batman Returns. 1992. Yeah. Michelle Pfeiffer in The Fabulous Baker Boys um, also sings it uh, before going on to play Selena Kyle or Catwoman, also in Batman Returns.
1: And then Heath Ledger as a Joker and then in The Heath dark Ledger
0: fun. now then plays The Dark Knight. He doesn't play The Dark Knight, he plays The Joker in The Dark Knight. Yeah. Uh, and I have one last little bit of information for you. Okay. So in the film. Walter Stratford refers to Dawson's Creek. Yeah. Do you remember that bit? Yeah. Uh, and he calls it Dawson's River, River or whatever. Yeah. And Heath Ledger later dated Michelle Williams, who is one of the actors in Dawson's Creek, who starred uh, as Jen Lindley in the, in the series. The only reason I bring that up is because I have been in a film as an extra that had <laughs> Michelle Williams in it. <laughs> hey,
1: so you could.
0: So I have a Heath Ledger number. You know, we talk about bacon numbers. Yeah. I've got a Heath Ledger number.
1: Yeah. You can connect the dots. So...
0: <laughs> nice. There you go.
1: You are basically in 10 Things I Hate About You.
0: I am the Dark Knight.
1: Yeah. <laughs> <Sure>. Just saying. <laughs> okay. Sure. Sure.
0: <laughs> so that is my deep dive. It's, it's quite a long wordy one. Um, I liked it. There you go. Thoughts on any of that? Any surprises?
1: Good. Um... Well, yeah, lots. I thought it was very good. Informative. Stuff I enjoyed. <laughs> Thank you. So, should we talk about the characters?
0: Let's do that.
1: Who do you want to start with? Should we start with Bianca or with... Let's do
0: Bianca yeah. and Kat together. Okay. And how they develop and their different paths. Because they're very, they're very different, but we find out so much about them throughout the whole film, don't we? Mm-hmm. So you want to start with bianca sure so we'll start with bianca
1: so yes bianca is popular at school uh she wants to date she's um what's the guy's name who's the model
0: uh joey
1: his name's joey yeah yeah joey uh you know definitely is interested and she's interested in him it seems like she's interested in him because of like the status thing that he's popular he's into his looks is very vain and then she is sort of quite like that at the beginning anyway and I guess that's her character development and her arc is that towards the end of the film as it goes through she becomes less vain and less shallow
0: that is exactly what I was going to say about her is that vanity plays a really big part at the beginning of, of her character journey and I think she wouldn't necessarily want the relationship with Joey that she would get from Cameron. Cameron. Um, it's all about how she looks with Joey being her boyfriend. Yeah. And the same going the other way, but he is almost doing it as a as a bet, isn't he? So his mate makes his friend makes a comment when she first arrives onto, on screen. And um, she becomes the challenge. Well, that's
1: where the parallels come to shizzle that, you know, with the bet. And this is what, like, gets parodied a lot in Not Another Teen Movie, that there's always, like, a bet, and can you make her the prom queen? You know, that sort of thing. I know that's not what happens in this movie, um, but that's where there's these lines of comparison, I think, that can be brought with these teen high school movies.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And she um, clearly wants more from it and wants to kind of be a part of that world doesn't she and really wants to you know drive that forward but she's got this massive weight pulling her back um which is not only her father but her sister so her sister is a big part of the problem because she wants to be popular and um kind of loved around the school and she even makes the comment that you know she's adored (laughs) yeah when she's brushing her hair and and she says you know I, I like being adored um which is a really interesting view of of herself is that she loves that position that she's in where people will just fall at her feet uh, and do anything for her and her sister is the only thing that is weighing that down and she wants nothing to do with her in public and she even tries to like kind of deny it you know we're not related I don't want to be related to you kind of thing
1: well she's not wrong though in her perception to a degree because when cameron sees her like time stops for him
0: yeah (laughs) exactly he just immediately falls in
1: love yeah and with no like i i was wondering as like a first time viewer is that what's going to happen is that he gets these first impressions uh which is all superficial and based on her aesthetic and how she looks and then actually he's going to get to know her and then it's all just skin deep and actually he's not going to like the person underneath but that doesn't actually happen he i mean he tells her at one point that she's selfish right and sort of he holds up the mirror to her maybe in, in a way to show her how shallow she's sort of being um but no it, it works out uh the dad is so good he's so funny and uh, I really like the relationship that Bianca has with him. Like when he uh, when he puts on the like pregnancy belly on her before she goes out. I was already thinking that um, so I've, I've said on previous episodes that my wife's pregnant, and I keep thinking we don't know the gender. Well, I kept so uh, I have this thing of well it may be a girl, and then at some point she's gonna want a date when she's you know a teenager, and I was thinking. I hope Amazon's stocking one of these bellies <laughs> by that point because I think that's a great tool.
0: Absolutely, just wear this—not not the whole night, but you know, for the next sort of ten, fifteen minutes or so—and you will realize <laughs> you you don't want to go out and get pregnant while you're a teenager. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. He was great. Uh, Larry Miller plays uh, plays Walter Stratford. So um, good. He's the only one that goes into the TV series. So there was, a, there was a brief TV series tending to Oh,
1: that's crazy Like Clueless Yeah,
0: and he's the only one that, that sort of translates over And makes it into the TV series That's cool As uh, the same I, character As the same character, yeah
1: That's cool Okay, well and So what else is there to say About Bianca really? Or should we move on to Kat? She
0: has probably the one of the biggest character arcs in the whole film. For sure. So her and her sister ob- obviously have the biggest character arcs, but so do the the boys in it as well. But, um, mostly um, Patrick. But she goes from popularity and vanity to um, being quite humble and heartfelt. Mm. Um, and
1: sticking up for her sister.
0: Yeah, in a really big way as well, and a really public display, uh, which y- you wouldn't expect from that sort of film you'd expect it to kind of be a a row or something like that but when she comes in and fully like knocks Joey down doesn't she she like smacks him in the face so that's um punches him in the nose that's my sister what's the next one the knee in the balls is that's for me yeah so one's for one. my
1: si- uh hmm. yeah I can't remember what the other one is he, gets, for.
0: he gets punched in the face twice and then knee in the nuts so
1: yeah fair play and he had a commercial the next day yeah
0: but a nose commercial? was Like it, nasal spray. Nasal I spray, think. that's it. <laughs> yeah.
1: So good. Okay, well, what about Cat?
0: Cat uh, is, like, played really well. I think Julia Stiles does a fantastic job of playing, like, she's in the very first scene. So we, we listened to, oh, I have to, the music in this film is great. Really enjoyed the music. So we've got bare naked ladies playing straight away. And you got the four... Teen girls, like, bopping in their car, and they really enjoy themselves. They're like, you, with Eminem. <laughs> uh, and they're bopping away, and they're loving life, and then she pulls up, and she's playing drone jet. Yeah. So loud, you know, bad reputations playing, and that's exactly what she's got. She's got bad reputation now for being moody and quite nasty, and she's venomous, isn't she? Really venomous.
1: You know who she remind For our Ravens listeners, you know who she remind me of a little bit in these early points... Payton, Payton. <laughs> you know, like the loud music and the car and everything yeah yeah
0: yeah, yeah I see that and her car's like basically a bit like worn out and run down isn't it but she's still driving it around because it's kind of cool yeah and she's she's very I think she's very cool
1: yeah she's a cool character especially when we get to the end of the movie and we find out uh, what's happened you know the impetus of all of this and the situation with Joey and, uh, and all of that it I imagine on repeat watching, it makes you warm to her even quicker because you understand sort of the backstory. Yeah.
0: And I, I didn't really like Bianca's reaction. at that no, I found that really difficult She's she's trying to tell her something that's very personal and very um, deep and, and quite hurtful. And painful. Yeah. But
1: that I think that's to show the immaturity and that's supposed to probably represent the age difference that... Because she got it eventually, she just needed time to process it, you know, by the time it gets to the prom or whatever it is, you know, she's in, she's uh, standing up for it, etc. But yeah, that it, I didn't like it in that moment either.
0: I uh, suppose it's uh, that sibling, you're always trying to ruin everything I've got kind of thing, isn't it? Even though she's not. Mm-hmm. She's trying to warn her or forewarn her about how much of a douchebag, douchebag this guy is and and to be careful um and you need to grow up and make your own mistakes and that's kind of what she was allowing her to do yeah um but you know you need to know that this is the situation
1: Julia stars chemistry with heath ledger i think also is what makes the film yeah they have really great chemistry and the way that Heath, uh ledger patrick yeah yeah is um first approaching her and you know trying to sort of you know worm his way in or whatever and the way she's sort of shooting him down and then the build up sweating
0: like a pig yeah
1: (laughs) and him turning up at like the concert um, at the bar and he's like oh please you're ruining this for me and all of these moments it's like it feels like a really good build up like it feels it doesn't feel rushed and I think that can happen sometimes in these movies like two scenes later they're you know already you know where they're supposed to be but it's a good slow build up and then by the time it gets there it's like the payoff's really great but then you know in the back of your mind that it's going to come out she's going to find out that it's been a manipulation and you know yeah i think um their chemistry is key
0: Uh, they, they do have fantastic chemistry throughout i really liked his change of tactic so from the going straight up to her being very forward and it kind of feels like for this character that would work like hey i'm going to take you out friday night see you there see you at you know this time that time whatever i'll pick you up and girls will probably go oh okay um but she's like i'm not interested mate you can move on just go and find someone else who gives a crap because i definitely do not and he then has to go and reassess it's when you know, the boys come up to him later on and they mm, say,
1: She doesn't like smoking. yeah.
0: You've, you've got to change this, that, and the other. And he goes, mm, Okay. And this is when the tactic changed. He he sits there and plays it cool. And as soon as he starts playing it cool, like, Yeah, I'm not interested now, she's interested. Mm. He's got a hook, line, and sinker. He she is in, she's invested. And that's that's the, the power play change. There, I loved it. Mm. What a great way to do it. And he, he's he's so cool, isn't he? Yeah, he's really cool.
1: You mean just as a person? Just as
0: a yeah, as a person. But even like in this film, and yeah, he's just really cool.
1: He's the best. Yeah, I mean, and the the whole thing about no one knows his backstory, and it's like the myths of all oh, he was. He was in San Quentin, like, for for a year. A live duck. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Beacon all. (laughs) Yeah, all of that stuff. Like, the elusive myths that he doesn't correct them on. He knows Marilyn Manson. Right. (laughs) All of that stuff. Which then he, you know, puts... uh, you know, puts the bed at the end with the whole, you know, he was actually in Milwaukee with like a grandparent and, and yeah that stuff. His grandfather, yeah. Is it's, it's great. Um sorry, I know we're veering off it's, of it's
0: Cat, the the, the but... whole thing is it's classic it's classic not being forthcoming with the truth. It's classic Shakespeare. We've talked about that over and over and over and over again. But this is the whole premise of this film. Is that if he had turned around at any point when they first started to connect So we're kind of... We have moved on a little bit. But if you turn around at any point and said to Kat... When she says, kind of, what's your motive? like And gets to that bit. And she's being quite open and honest. And it's about vulnerability, isn't it? And she lets someone in who can tear that up and really break her heart. And that's what she's probably spent all of this time trying to avoid. Mm. And she's let this happen... And says, "What's your motive? Why are you doing this?" And he says, "No motive. I just like you." But actually, the real motive was he was paid to do it. Now, had he been forthcoming and said, "I really like you. I've massively fallen for you," initially, this is what the outcome was. Yeah, she'd probably be a bit pissed off. But he's been honest and said this. That it wouldn't make a good film. Yes. But that's the whole point of of these stories and these you know, plays and films that, that are developed from these plays is that the, the more these characters hide the truth, um, the, the kind of more in-depth it gets and the more difficult it becomes. And when the truth is eventually revealed, you get your outcome. So if it's one of the tragedies, so like Romeo and Juliet, the truth is hidden for so long it ends up in deaths. Whereas in this film, obviously, it's a comedy, so it doesn't quite happen <laughs> that way
1: what the yes good points made <laughs> i i think that i thought when watching it that the truth was revealed kind of late i was thinking i like i, remember I checked the time to see how long's left and think like 10 minutes left mm. and i was like whoa, like this you know it's come late in the third act where i thought it was going to come at the beginning of the third act Misery, misery, misery. Get it together at the end, you know. Actually, they get it together relatively quickly, and I really like the way it came together. Dom, it—you know I'm emotional. You know that I am. Oh, no. It's been a while since the the, the tear ducts opened, and I yes. bet I know what bit. Gum.
0: The poetry bit.
1: The poem. Oh. <laughs> I
0: knew it. I knew. It.
1: <laughs> Dom, she was so vulnerable She was so vulnerable
0: When I was watching her cry I was singing I bet he's crying Meaning you On a,
1: <laughs> on a Sunday afternoon
0: If you had been there Sitting, listening to her do that And she yeah. was saying that about you You would have cried, wouldn't you? You'd be full on boring. Yeah
1: Yeah yeah, trying um, to hide it. I'd be trying to hide it, but because like, I mean, biting your lip. I'm yeah, just feel. like what's that
0: up there on <laughs> the ceiling? I've been looking at the light too long. It's making my eyes water.
1: I if someone <laughs> was saying that about someone I didn't know and I was in the room, I would. cry. I, I mean, I was crying. What anyway? The tutus. The
0: I love it. Love the emotion. Love the feeling.
1: I feels it. I do's it.
0: I'm just glad one of us has feelings.
1: Me too, <laughs> maybe that's what it is. I feel like I have to compensate with extra feelings for you, but the the poem Your just because with me I do have feelings for you, oh wow, it's just true <laughs> but the 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 poem and because we're talking about cats, so I know we've sort of jumped to the end there, but it wasn't what I was expecting to happen because I was expecting he was going to have to do the act. You know, some some act to to show how he really feels, etc. And she did it, and I thought, well, that's actually really unexpected, but powerful as well because she recognizes that they have something special, and it isn't false, you know. And then they have the bit at the end, and he's bought her the guitar with the money that he'd got from Joey. So he hasn't, you know. Beautiful ending, loved it.
0: Yeah, Uh, and the poem is. Ten things I hate about you. Right, yeah. So that's her listing, which actually came from one of the screenwriters who went through her high school diaries and found a list of um that she had made of an ex boyfriend of all the things she hates about him. Love that. And that's where the idea came from and she phoned the other one and said, I just found this. It's called um, Things I Hate About You and she went the other screenwriter I can't remember which one had decided had written it and you know made the phone call but the other one then said that's it that's the title of this movie this is what we have to call it and that's where it all came from
1: it's a good title, and because it has numbers, it's always going to be at the beginning of any alphabetized list, <laughs> yes, which is, true. I used to work in Blockbuster, so <laughs> it's, the, it's a good place to be, because, you know, people are less likely, are more likely to pick it up than if it, you know, was called the Z List of things, Z List, Z. <laughs> shut up, Simon. Sorry, okay.
0: You want to move on to Cameron next? Let's go on to Cameron. Perfect. Let's talk about Cameron, played by Josie Gordon-Levitt yep robin is in this film <laughs>
1: Yeah,
0: <laughs> so initial thoughts on cameron so what what are you thinking you first see him he first turns, first turns up at school he's in the guidance counselor's office
1: yeah oh the guidance counselor is hilarious <laughs> so funny um writing her like erotica well that was really good Again, it kind of fell in at the beginning of this trope of new guy in a high school. Hey, here's a different clique, like in Clueless. You know, they're, you know, they're the jocks over here and these people over here. And you've got the guy that's showing him around. You say his name is Michael? Yeah. Yeah, I love him. He's brilliant. And I love his motorcycle, you know, often going down the, the hill and all of that stuff.
0: Should we do Cameron and Michael together? Yeah. Because they're in it the whole way through together. Yeah, There's only, like, one or two scenes where they're not together, so they might as well keep them joined at the hip. So, yeah, let's lo- go for that.
1: I loved all of their interactions, felt really, really good and sort of timeless. And then, he, yeah, he instantly, we've sort already spoken about, it becomes besotted with Bianca. And then it's sort of that, oh, he's the, quote-unquote, sort of geek kid, though he's not really, is he? But, you know, trying to get with, again, quote-unquote, the elite. And, uh, yeah, I really like him as a character.
0: Well, it's Michael that says, don't even bother saying hello to these people. Yeah. Because they're way out of our league kind of thing. And he's like, what do you mean? And he goes, here's an example. He goes, hi. And they're like, drop dead, got me. Get away <laughs> from us. And they, it, and they give him that dirty stare for the whole time. And it is exactly like you said, like Clueless, where they're discussing the the groups of everyone that's at high school. And you've got the... Um, the Rastafarians that are all white oh, <laughs> and yeah. you've got the coffee drinkers um, you, you've got you know your usual jocks and so on and so on and so on and it, it's a really nice list that he goes through um, whenever I look at Michael I think he's a 40 year old <laughs> in like a 17 year old's body <laughs> yeah. isn't he that's what, what I think of him and just think that that character he just is so much older than the rest of them like He's the one that comes up with all the ideas and says this needs to happen, and he's actually not really afraid of anything. Mm. You think he'd play that nerdy, oh we can't talk to them because uh, they might pick on us. He actually says we can't talk to them because they'll just treat us like crap, kind of person. Yeah, and actually he's not he's not scared to approach Joey and sit in the chair and sits there for a minute with him, doesn't he? And Joey like looks at him like, what the hell are you doing? Like, who the hell do you think you are? And he's like. Well, I want to talk to you about a proposition. Yeah,
1: I have like a business offer for you. Yeah,
0: and then when he when he goes to shake their hands at the Mm -hmm. end, goes like first goes to Jerry, gets ignored. Goes to the next guy, gets ignored. Just thumbs up (laughs) to both of them, then walks up. Like great moment. But um, he's he plays that character really well, and he's meant to be like the plucky sidekick Mm -hmm. of Cameron. But it kind of feels like the other way around. Mm -hmm. Cameron's the sidekick that eventually has the courage to go up and talk to Heath Ledger because that's the only person that he won't go and talk to because he's been to prison and knows Marilyn Manson and he's <laughs> beaten up a state trooper or something like that. that he was, set a state trooper on fire. That's right, yeah. <laughs> And eating a duck hole live or whatever. Um, so he it's the only time where he's like, look, if you want to make these things happen, you need to go and talk to him mm. and push his camera into it. And he's actually a really good... Guide, mm. isn't it? I really like him. What a great character! And and Cameron mm. takes it on really well, I think. And Josie Gordon-Levitt plays kind of surprised, gormless teenager really well. Yeah, but particularly from the beginning of the guidance counselor's office when she says, "You know, army brat, or you're an yeah. army brat. Yeah, great. I don't really care. This got you you know what schools are like. They're just the same as the rest with all these. What she call them? Shitheads."
1: Something yeah. along those
0: lines, like um, where the stuff splatters on the window. <laughs> yeah, and he's like, hang, "Hang on a minute, did you just say what? Am I in the right place? Because it's just so out of the ordinary. Teachers don't talk like that." Um, yeah, I thought I thought they both had a really good chemistry as well.
1: Yeah, my Michael, I can't imagine anyone having anything bad to say about him. Like I'm sure that he is like a fan favorite. And I like that he got his own storyline. Mm. Like quite often, these sort of side characters on the peripherals do, don't get that. But he got to, and, and he was Shakespeare, right? You know, as using it as a pseudonym. And yeah, he, he gets the girl at the end, and that's great. In the same way that, like, Gabrielle Union's character is, uh, like, on the sort of peripheral as well and we spoke about this in the clueless episode that there's this there's quite often that trope isn't there in the 90s of you got all these white protagonists and then you have you know the a you have a black character that is like the sidekick sort of like we said never you know in the in the sort of main frame. and i was uh conscious that it seemed like that was happening um and then I thought, well, maybe like in Clueless, um, is it Share Dion? It's Dion. Dion's the friend. Yeah, Dion um, is like a great character all the way through, and you know, one that we're rooting for. And then in this, Gabrielle Union's character sort of does the dirty, doesn't she?
0: Yeah, and takes Joey.
1: Yeah oosh <laughs> oosh I mean what did you think of Gabrielle Union's character we'll come back we'll we'll circle back for Cameron sorry we've gone off track a little
0: I actually didn't really think much of her character Um, she had a point and she was a, a plot device but other than that I didn't really she was all pally pally yeah 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 and then kind of as soon as she gets what she wants she just she goes she doesn't really care Yeah, and she is like the ultimate perception of well, Joey's the ultimate perception of vanity, mm. and she's kind of the perception of um, like being a sycophant and like loving him regardless because she's like he's super hot, sort of thing, and stuff like that. So,
1: which and she, Gary O'Yulin puts in a good performance, um, and like, you you really don't like her when the character, when she sort of switches, you know, and uh, the loyalties go. Um, so, if, yeah. If you'd
0: have asked me to talk about this film to someone else, go and explain this film to someone, or someone new comes into the room, you have to explain it to them, I don't think I would have included her character.
1: Yeah, it doesn't come to mind. Yeah. Yeah, true. Where Michael would.
0: Michael absolutely would, yeah. Yeah. Definitely. And in terms of that psychic co-companion role he is brilliant yeah and him and cameron are pretty much inseparable from the word go aren't M- they you know when cameron have... says they normally send uh those audio visual geeks <laughs> God, down and yeah. He's like, yeah whatever and they're like hey michael why do you want these slides and he's like it's Michael, <laughs> <know> he's <laughs> sort
1: of like. well and yeah they have really good chemistry throughout and then Cameron's whole thing is that, yeah, he's, we've we've kind of touched on him quite a lot already in terms of he is going to learn French to to tutor Bianca. He uh, tells Bianca towards the end, you know, that she's being selfish, etc. Sort of has that real life moment with her. And that's actually the moment in which she kisses him. Maybe because she's never been... No one's ever been that real with her before, or that honest. Um
0: She's always been told that she's cute and pretty and beautiful and popular and amazing and, oh, you're so funny and stuff like that, that actually when someone turns around and says exactly what everyone else is thinking that's not in that little world. So Michael says it right at the beginning. She's conceited. She's Mm. vain. She's this. She's that.
1: Don't say those things about her. Yeah,
0: exactly. And then actually that he has that moment of clarity in that car and she is all of those things. Um, and he's quite upset with her, and he makes that very clear. What I really like about Cameron though is that he never falls out with Michael. Yeah. You kind of feel like there'll be a moment of tension between them. Yeah. Over, you know, what one of the girls or something like that that Michael starts to fancy Bianca or something like that, but actually he falls for Mandela. Yeah. And likes Mandela, and Mandela um, kind of. Plays it quite plainly, doesn't she? Doesn't say anything back other than I love William Shakespeare, so that's when he throws in the Macbeth quote. Yeah, goes from there.
1: <laughs> he, Michael, he kind of thinking about it now, he kind of reminds me of my closest friend in high school. Um, he, uh, his name's Josh, and uh, I spoke to him recently, like during lockdown and everything, and we were sort of reflecting over it, and he was completely like. Like, he was, like, how he is now as a 33-year-old man in secondary school (laughs) the whole way through. And we had all of our classes together. The whole five years, we never argued once. Like, we didn't even disagree. Like, it was an incredibly solid friendship of just... We never, never... Mm. Like, we might have debated things as, it like, you know, messing around. But it was never... I think it's rare to find those people. Like, you and I, like, I don't think we've ever had an argument or anything or we've ever really disagreed on. Like, I think some people you just can click with and they're, yeah. And so I think it's really nice to see that depicted in the film.
0: Yeah, it's a really, really good, you you know, bond that you see, that you don't get in films now. Mm. Um, You don't see that. And and loyalty is hard to come by, isn't it? Mm. And that they are so very loyal to each other
1: yeah that's nice mm. should we talk about joey
0: yeah we need to talk about joey
1: joey so the actor um plays um is it i think it's magic joel uh, ironically in sabrina the teenage witch oh, right. which is like a classic episode he's also in camp nowhere which is actually on our patreon um wheel and uh, andrew keegan he's been in loads of things um like we you recognize him from other stuff as well
0: uh so i recognize him mostly from from this yeah um but he was familiar i, I couldn't place anything that he's been in
1: he's quite he was a big kid actor like child actor but he um he is definitely playing this very well because the other roles i've seen him in are very opposite of this like in sabrina he's playing like a sort of a nerdy, geeky character, if you could believe that.
0: Apparently he's in Independence Day.
1: I can't remember that. Says that but... He's
0: an older boy in Independence Day. Must be a moment where, as the aliens are coming, there's clips and right. loads of different people, isn't there? So maybe he's in that.
1: But yeah, so in Sabrina, he's like a nerd character, which is a complete opposite to this. And then in Camp Nowhere, he's kind of like a bully kid, but he's actually like a nice kid, but he's not he's he's wearing like a leather jacket and stuff he's not like a a pretty boy but i think he plays it really well and um he's douchey but you don't hate him you know like he's a good antagonist like yeah he's not a good person but he's not like evil personified
0: you know he's just a bit simple isn't he really yeah he's a simple character and he's simple in brains yeah and that he hasn't He hasn't got much up there, but he relies on his looks to get by, Um, which, you know, works for him, doesn't it? He's got this modelling contract, a modelling career, and um, (laughs) he uses it to his advantage, but he's obviously, this character of Joey has this, I can get what I want, and I'll either throw money at it, or I'll throw myself at it, Mm -hmm. and um, that's kind of how he works, how he operates.
1: Gets his car, Beaten up or crashed into?
0: Yeah, exactly. Um, which is a like nice car. Yeah. Yeah, very nice, light, sporty Ferrari-esque car, isn't it?
1: Well, someone else. Well, and he gets his comeuppance in the end. We've spoken about. Of course. Someone else we have to bring up is the teacher. Love the teacher. He is so good. I love all of his delivery. How he basically, like, hates them, but doesn't. Well, he hates, like, Joey, and he is so predictable that Kat's always going to have her hand up and questioning everything he's saying. And last but not least is Bianca and Kat's dad. Love him. He has so many good moments. The moment when it's at the end, or towards the end, where he's, like outside on like the balcony bit and he's using the exercise thing and it like pings off and then right at the end of the scene it gets thrown back into like the little pool. Brilliant. Uh, he is so good in so many scenes. What did you think of him?
0: He was great. He's hilarious. Again, I, I sort of always edge towards the sarcastic, angry, wiser, older character and he was brilliant. I really, really liked him. And I thought he was great and, and played it very well
1: and and it it ended really well you know he you know gave cat sort of her freedom but it's very supportive and loving and it's all with the right intention isn't it i think he's just a great character so that was 10 things i hate about you before we go on to our judgments this movie was picked by our patron emily from oklahoma Thank you, Emily. This was a great choice. We really enjoyed doing it. If you would like to choose a movie for us to cover next and for it to go on our will, then you can find out how to do that by listening to this. You just became a raven. Hello and welcome to the Mighty 90s Podcast Network.
0: Our network is made up of two podcasts. And the Mighty
1: 90s Movie and TV Podcast, a look
0: back at 90s movies we grew up with. And The Ravens, a One Tree Hill podcast covering each individual episode of the show.
1: All of our podcast episodes are free on all podcast platforms.
0: But if you'd like to support us on our podcast journey,
1: then we have free Patreon tiers with bonus content and ways to connect with us that we'd love to share with you.
0: All of our Patreon tiers include all of our podcasts. The
1: first tier, Junior Varsity.
0: You'll receive one week early access on all of our podcast episodes. A patron shout out on the podcast, access to our monthly One Tree Hill bonus episode, exclusive access to non-90s movies that we will cover and a 90s movie title of your choice on the wheel.
1: Your movie title choice will be put on this wheel and at the end of each Mighty 90s episode we will spin the wheel and that will decide what movie we will cover next. The second tier, Varsity.
0: All of the perks from Junior Varsity and you get to add a non-90s movie from any year to the wheel. And the final tier, Hall of Fame. If there is anyone out there that loves our work this much, then we want to speak with you. So you get all of the previous perks and we will invite you to co-host an episode of the podcast with us.
1: We appreciate any level of support from an Instagram follow to any of our Patreon tiers.
0: We love doing this, and we appreciate you all. Be gentle with us. And wear
1: gloves. So, Dom, let's go into judgments. Who was your favourite performer of the movie?
0: I think, for me, the, my favourite pro- performer was uh, David Crumholtz, who plays Michael in the film. He was brilliant. Like I said, he played that sort of 40-year-old man in a 17-year-old kind of body even though he might not be in 17 year old at the time that's who he's playing um and he was very funny very wise very witty very quick um great acting you know even though he's going down that um, (laughs) hill bit on his motorbike and he goes all my balls um and he's all like very calm and then so you know obviously it's not him doing it it's going to be stunt people doing it but when he gets to the end and he's sort of rolling around he's trying to get his feet and then he goes. Hey! and everyone cheers and goes mental and he turns around and there's that oh my god I'm I'm alive Like, and he's feeling himself and it's a bit of panic isn't it um, it's a really good moment and then he falls over again I just thought all the scenes that he was in um, I was quite drawn to him and what he was doing so even when um, Cameron is pushed towards Patrick when he does the drilling through his French book I'm watching Michael's reactions to it and I just thought he was great um, so the actor... Uh David Krumholtz has has done a fantastic job there f- of playing this character. Uh what about yours? Who's yours? Your standout?
1: i um, he was great, for sure. Uh they were all really good. So my favourite performer, they're all really great, but I would choose Heath Ledger. He's just I think he bring he I think he makes the film. Like without like we said earlier, without him. Then it would be completely different. So um, yeah, I have to put it to him. He plays the 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 range at the end when he's listening to the poem. um, I think he puts in a really good performance. So um, yeah, I I like as in just receiving it. He looks like broken, and I think that's really hard to play. So who's your favourite character?
0: Uh, My favourite character is Michael. He's the funniest. Uh, Doubling up. He's very, very witty. Just takes everything on the chin. uh, Has very clever ideas. Very scheming. Great character. Really enjoyed it. It was very close between him and the dad, Walter. Yeah. Of course. Yeah. But also uh, Patrick as well. I thought he was fantastic. Yeah. Um, I didn't warm to Bianca at all. I mm-hmm. thought cat was really good, mm-hmm. um, so they're all like up there, but Michael stood out. I didn't actually warm to Cameron that much, either.
1: No. I kind of felt like
0: they were like a side plot.
1: I yeah, think. Cameron and Bianca don't re- I, I, yeah, it's more uh, Patrick and Cat's story than anybody else's.
0: Yeah, agreed. And then Michael's just the great comic relief in, mm. in all of that. Mm. Uh, who is your favorite character?
1: I'm going to say the dad.
0: you go for the dad? Yeah. Yeah. I
1: really liked him. Especially like bits where he's watching like the Hairspray commercial and yeah. just, <laughs> he had so many comical parts and uh, yeah, I really liked him.
0: Apparently that same commercial is used again in another film, that I think he's in. Oh, okay. And he's watching it like a couple of years later. Like I'm not sure I'd, I'd have to double check that.
1: Okay. Favourite song?
0: This is difficult because there are so many really good songs in the in the film. I was really surprised, you know, when they threw the um, leaflets down the stairwell. Other than that being a fantastic scene, like really, a really good great shot, yeah. And they're playing "Sexy Boy" by Air. That like really stood out. Just as that whole scene, just in general, really really stood out to me. Shot really well that bit, yeah. Yeah, um, but I actually think. I've got two because they're right at the beginning so it was the Bare Naked Ladies into Joan Jet. really stands out for me so I do I have to pick one? Yeah. I will go with I'll go with Bare Naked Ladies.
1: And then I'll pick whatever the other one was because I couldn't tell you any of these songs. <laughs> oh, okay.
0: <laughs>
1: so, so then you can get both I'll pick oh, the Wings other one. Wings of a
0: Dove by Madness is in it as well. There's a really good moment like where they're talking about the prom and stuff like that i think just cat and mandela and wings of the dove is playing um which is a song by madness you know scar. there's a lot of scar music in this film lots um so what better scar groups have than madness
1: there actually is not actually isn't the best song the one that he sings that he fledger sings
0: is that what you're going for uh, ah yeah. i think
1: i think i have to choose that i'm sorry that's fine because yeah of course that's the best that's one of the best moments his running on the bleachers is brilliant I, I could bring that up on youtube just to watch that part it's so funny so good it like it's right on the edge of what could be like a really sort of like cliche whatever moment but it just stays on the right side of being like that's actually brilliant I love that. I love that. It's a great moment. Yeah, that's uh, that's the moment that I will remember from the film. Like in 10 years time, I'll be like, if someone mentioned the film I'll be like, "Oh yeah, that bit. Good times." <laughs> uh favorite background performer? If you need a moment, I have one.
0: Oh yeah, please. please share yours.
1: Mine uh would be the guy for that moment, the guy that's there in the band, that he like he gives the money to or whatever. And um, that's coordinating the music. I liked him.
0: Real school band. Oh, okay. Not from that school. They had to use a school band from a different school to come and do that part. And then, like, teach them all how to march. Well, like, All the extras had to learn how to march. Nice. Um, that's a good choice. I, I think I would pick... You know the first sort of four or five candidates that are picked... To to ask cat out. Yeah, I'm gonna pick the guy that screams. <laughs> <laughs> um, he doesn't say anything. Just goes ah, just screams. Uh, I, it just made me laugh. Actually, I probably laugh out loud. Apparently, the way they're standing at the beginning when you first encounter them is the same um, as a Pink Floyd cover album cover, and that was the the point of them standing the way they were. Okay, but I I need to see the album cover.
1: That was a whole funny little moment. Yeah, they're in like the little alleyway, underpass bit or whatever. Yeah, yeah. It's just this weird little
0: like den. <laughs> yeah, I like that.
1: Okay, and then last but not least, your ratings. One subjective, nostalgia, what does it mean to you? And then one objective, film critic, 2020 hat on. Out of 10, what'd it be?
0: I think from a subjective point of view, it's a seven. Um from a nostalgia kind of having studied it I've seen the film before on the back of studying Tame the Shrew* and stuff like that it uh, and I talk about Shakespeare all the time I think it has to be a 7 from me
1: okay and objectively
0: um, I think I'm going to double up I think it's a 7 um, some really good acting
1: what did you mark this?
0: I can't remember, six or five. I think,
1: nah, I think you I think you marked it eight, I think. No way. I think you did. You might have felt precious because <laughs> Alistair and Michelle are on. Well, either way, I, would you, regardless of whatever you rated it then, you'd be, you would you say you would rate this higher than um, Clueless?
0: Uh, yeah, I think so. Definitely.
1: So if you'd say this is a seven, you'd say Clueless is what, like a six?
0: Yeah, I, I would pick this over Clueless Okay. any day. Um, but I would agree with like IMDb, it's in the seven category.
1: Mm-hmm. <laughs> okay. So two sevens. Yeah. it's good. What are you That's saying? Good. What are you saying? I would say, well, nostalgia, subjective, like that part, I have no reference for. So I'll just say objectively from today, from when I watched it at the weekend i would i'm leaning for like a seven to an eight um but we don't do 0.5s here so i'm gonna round it up and i'd say an eight i feel like i said eight for clueless as well but i would probably rank it as clueless as like a again we don't do 0.5 so i'd give like clueless a 6.5 to round it to a seven and i'd give ten things i hate about you a 7.5 round it to an eight um really good film i really enjoyed it way more than i was expecting to definitely one that i could imagine watching again in the future or if it's on tv you know just letting it play and uh yeah i think i think it's a good movie
0: well thank you emily for picking it
1: yeah exactly so emily thank you other patrons get involved let us know what movies you want us to cover you can find all of the information about our patreon at themighty90s.com that's themighty90s.com you can hit us up on social media dom
0: so we are on instagram at themighty90s uh and you can also follow our one tree hill podcast um and that's also on instagram at raven's podcast
1: and do us a favor Rate, review, subscribe. Why not? It doesn't hurt. It costs you nothing. If you enjoyed it, throw a little five stars on there. Sure, please, why not?
0: If you didn't enjoy it, throw a little five stars on there. Come on. (laughs)
1: Come on. (laughs) Do it for me and Dom. (laughs) Uh, In all seriousness, thank you very much for your support, for listening. I hope it's been enjoyable and we look forward to... Catching up on the next episode of the Mighty 90s, which from the wheel will be... The next episode will be Apollo 13, which was chosen by Matthew from Patreon. Matthew, thank you so much for your choice. As I messaged you on Patreon when you suggested this, Dom and I were literally just talking about Apollo 13 the other day and saying how we'd love to cover that on the podcast. Dom, how do you feel about Apollo 13 for the next episode?
0: It is up there. I think it's in my top ten.
1: Of course it is. Tom, Tom Hanks, Hanks is in it. <laughs> and Gary
0: Sinise. <laughs> I and, love that. Tom.
1: And Colt from free Ninjas.
0: Yes, absolutely. He's in it too. <laughs> I've forgotten that. Yeah, he is. He plays uh, his son, doesn't
1: he? Yeah. Yeah. Excellent. Cool. So that will be the next episode. Anything else, Dom?
0: Uh, Just please drop us a little rating. It means a lot to us and we love doing this. So please keep listening be gentle with us.
1: Wear gloves.